This message is about Emmanuel, God with us. And when I've been thinking about this message, for me, it's like a hug. It's like a comfortable, reassuring hug, but a comfortable, reassuring hug that will motivate you forward in a really good way. Uh, he wants to put in this morning, he has already, through the praise and the worship, because he's good like that. We give to him, he gives back. Um, but anyway, so this is, this is a, a reassuring hug that is going to build you up and make you stronger this morning. I believe that. According to my faith, let it be. I have been, um, I've been going through the Bible in a year this year. And it's been amazing. It's been harrowing. At times, I've literally sh- shut the book and said, really? Because it's true what happened in here, actual events that happened, factual events that happened, really? Really stuff that makes your hair curl. And um, reading the Old Testament, I have to say, has made me so, so very grateful for Jesus. (laughs) And we're, of course, about to celebrate his arrival into this world. And I'm going to start with a Christmas story, Matthew 1. You know it well, but I want us just to refresh our memories Uh, on the events that happened. Matthew 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Wow. (laughs) Because Joseph, (laughs) her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Double wow. I don't know if you've ever considered Joseph's role in that. That would have required a lot of faith. He received it and he believed it. She'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from sins. His name Uh, In Hebrew, Yeshua, he will save. And the names of God reveal the character of God and the acts of God. It's what he came to do. He came to save. For God so loved the world. We know this one, don't we? He sent his only son to save us because every one of us here needed saving, but also to be with us. He actually came to be with us. That's what Emmanuel means. God with us. And I don't know why, I'm trusting it was a God thought, but I was thinking about how the Jews celebrate Passover and how they apparently always leave an empty chair. And that empty chair is for Elijah. This is it's their custom and it's what they believe. Um, because he will herald in the Messiah. They're waiting for the Messiah, they're still waiting. In their minds, they're still without him. But we know he came. He came to this world. He has already come. And we are, thank God, not without him. We are with him, God with us. And he came to show us. I love the fact he came, yes, most of all, he came to save us from our sin. Without him, every one of us here would be going to hell. Eternal separation from God. So that's the primary reason. But I love also the fact he came to show us what God was like. Not an angry judge, not a harsh, 
taskmaster, one that you would run from rather than run to. <laughs> He's everything good. God is love, it says. He has power. He has strength. He has wisdom unrivaled. But he is love. And everything he does is motivated by love. Even discipline is motivated by his love because he's wanting to get that shepherd's crook out and save us from the trouble ahead that he sees, foresees, we will end in if we continue that way. And the history of God's people through the Old Testament really is a, such a negative cycle when you read the stories. It's like they love him, they hate him. They love him, they hate him. They love him because he saves them. They cry out to him when their enemies are winning and, and, and causing unbelievable cruelty and, and hardship for them. They cry out to him. And in his mercy, he saves them. But then they forget about him. And they go back to their own strength and their own skill, the arm of the flesh, and they sin again. And it goes round in that negative cycle. But I want you to hear the heart of God this morning. This is cheer up news, by the way. Remember, this is the hug message. We'll get there. But we got to, we kind of got to, go, we need to learn from their mistakes. We really do. The heart of God in Jeremiah 3, verse 19, I, oh, it moves me when I read this. This is the Lord talking. He said, I myself said, how gladly would I treat you like my children and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of any nation. Still the heart of God for the Jewish people. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. Next verse. Ah, no, that's it, just there. Oh, no, no, we go on. Actually, could we go on? Is it possible? I thought, no, we'll leave it like that then. Basically, you can get the heart of God through that. I thought you would call me father and not turn away from following me. And the next verses go on to say, but like an unfaithful wife, you are unfaithful time and time and time again. And that is the history of God's people. Their heart strayed first and then the feet followed. What happened on the inside determined what happened on the outside. And I just want to say, same for us. Same for every one of us. We stray first here on the inside. That's where Pro why Proverbs says, watch over your heart, keep it. Keep an eye on it. Monitor it, because what goes on in there will determine the issues of your life. Anyways, I've got brilliant scripture. Psalm 37 verse 23 says this. Here's the flip positive side of it. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. If you want to have firm steps and confidence in your walk that you're going in the right direction, delight in him. Yes. And you know, sometimes we're not sure of our direction. You know, we know the general will of God, but not the specifics. And I think you just have to take a few steps but take a few steps listening to him. Like, is this the way, Lord? Is this the way? But if you're delighting in him, if he really is, like top of the list, first love, he won't let your steps slide. He'll make them secure. And there's an absolute wow verse in this chapter, um, Psalm 37, verse 4. Another promise for those who delight themselves in the Lord. It says... 
Take delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Wow. Just consider that for a moment. That's amazing. That's like a blank checkbook right there. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I see that like if he knows his heart's become your heart, his heart's become my heart, he can trust me with, to have the right desires. Do you know what I mean? Like a young child, you've got to be on it with the discipline pretty much all the time, I think. I'm watching parents thinking, God bless you, there's grace for that. But because they've got a tendency to stray all the time, and so you have to be teaching and training all the time. But when they grow up and they learn a little bit, they learn, they learn from right and they learn from doing wrong, but they learn, they get wisdom, they get more responsible. They get to a certain age, you can throw them the car keys and say, go ahead, because you know they're going to take care. Yeah. You can give them more and more freedom if you know they're going to be responsible and, and do the right thing. Okay? And it's like that with the Lord. As we grow up and mature and he sees that, hang on a minute, I don't have to be so on it with them, short reign, I can give them a bit of leeway because I know their desires are not going to take them off in the wrong direction. They're going to take them right on into what I want for them. And so you get things on your wish list because he's good like that. I didn't know whether to share this testimony, but it really spoke to me. It's such a kind of superficial thing. But he knows the stuff we like, doesn't he? Just the things that are unique to you. They, you know, somebody else might think, well... Nothing to them, but it means something to you. And um, a couple of weeks ago, well, for a while, I've wanted a new pair of trainers, and I had in my mind, it always goes this way, I know exactly what I want, and then the challenge is finding it. Uh, anyway, I knew exactly what I want, but lo and behold, I found it. Brilliantly, online. I absolutely love this pair of trainers. And, um, and so I wanted to buy them. They were a good price. And uh, I thought, why trawl anymore? That's the one's... Bingo, go through to the checkout, that's it. Three times I tried to do it. Three times I went to the payment page and I just had this niggle on the inside. Don't do it. Right, but why? Why not? Why not? You know, I can afford it. They're in my price bracket. I love them. What's the problem? Three times couldn't, you know, didn't do it. Anyway, went to Italy. We had a bit of time off one of the mornings and lo and behold... In this outlet store, I found a designer pair of trainers that are like stratospheric off the charts, amazing. And uh, two pairs left, one of them in my size. I'm like, yes, they're for me, I get it now. But he's like that, you know? You do his will, you delight yourself in him. He's like, come on, there you go, take that. Knew you wanted it, better than you could ask or imagine, because that's the kind of God he is, he's generous. He's generous, he's kind, he's like, he loves to lavish. Like good parents, you want to lavish on your kids. But never in a way that's going to spoil them. That's the point, isn't it? And so he's never going to give us things if he knows they're going to get in the way with our relationship with him. I really want you to get that. You can be praying for something, but he's never going to give it if he knows either it already is an idol or it could potentially become an idol up ahead. 
just sort of pop that one in there, but that's just how it is. You know, so if you're praying and praying and nothing's coming through, maybe, just maybe, God knows, that's going to do them no good. That's going to cause them to stray right off. Anyway, we need to just focus on delighting in him because everything just works out great. Our steps become secure. We become secure. In fact, I think I've got a slide. In your relationship, I just so want to encourage you to focus on loving him and him loving you. That's what will make you secure, really. And I was trying to work out that image there. That's a camera, isn't it? Brilliant. Home in, focus in on loving him and him loving you because actually it works all the good things in us. If it's all just about what I should do, what I shouldn't do, what I've got to do, what I can't do, it's all so dry. It's all so rule-orientated and rule-based. And it's men of, I read years ago in a book by Bill Johnson, actually, Christianity was not meant to be known for its disciplines. We have disciplines because disciplines keep us. But that's not why we're meant to, you know, it's not what Christianity should be known for. Christianity should be known for our passion. We just love him so much we want to do the right thing because that's what happens, actually, when you really love him, you want to please him. Obedience isn't an issue. And actually, if you're having trouble with obedience at the moment, generally, or over something specific, I so counsel you, study the goodness of God. Really find out about the goodness of God because it's easy to submit to the God that you know is good and has your very best interests at heart. Seeks your highest good. And he might ask you, well, he will ask you at times to do things you don't like, you don't understand, you can't see any benefit in at all. But if you trust the God who is love and has your best interests at heart, do it anyway, oh my gosh, he works all things together for good. You can't ever outgive him. He simply won't have it. He simply won't have it. He will never be in debt. He'll always give and give again, you know, like credit's always on our side. So I've written it down like this, and I love this thought. If you really know him, it's actually impossible not to trust him. Please, could I have that chair on the platform? I wanted to do uh, a bit of a demonstration here. You'll have seen it many times before. Thanks, Sam. So, I know this chair's going to take my weight. No bother. But if it had some wonky legs and was kind of looking a bit out of shape, you'd be a little bit cautious and reluctant to sit on it, right? Particularly with a bad leg. But anyway, that's what faith is. Simply sitting down. I'm over here, you can't see. <laughs> Sitting down and letting him take all your weight. All your weight. And yet, so often, all our weight is on our own shoulders. And I, Pastor Judith, would you mind handing me these burdens? I've got some burdens I want to demonstrate this morning. Okay, well, I'm going to start with this one. Health. Can't health be a burden? You know, if you've got no health issues at the moment, this won't be a burden to you. But at times, they come along and it can be a real burden. And you walk around with it. 
and it weighs you down and your mind often goes to it. The body talks, symptoms speak. And we just have to go to the God who is love, the God who has our highest interests at heart and say, I'm going to just give you this. Yes. Pop that right down there yes. and walk away. And we have to think the right thing and speak the right thing even before the right thing starts happening. I'm going to say that again. We need to believe the right thing, think the right thing, and say the right thing, leaving the issue with him before we start to see the right thing happening in our bodies. But it will if we hold fast our good confession. He watches over his word to perform it, right? Next one. Family, right? Your children, your parents, if they're still alive, husband, wife, the ones you love, the closest people around you, how much of a burden can they be? Big. Big bird. And you just, oh my gosh, you walk around and you check your phone and how are they doing? You've got to lay them down. Like Moses, the parents, you know, they put him in a basket and just pushed him up the Nile. We've got to just give him to Jesus. Pray, but leave them there. Another one, finances. Anybody get bothered about finances? Nobody? Nobody at all? All good? (coughs) Of course we do. Give it to Jesus and leave it there. Anybody concerned about the future? Oh, that was a slightly bigger response. Right. Because we can, because, you know, because of natural facts or because the enemy's a liar and will never speak anything good about your future, we've got to leave that one there. Just pile them up and leave them there because the problem is we hand them over and then we walk away with them again. Don't we? You know, we kind of just do this backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. We hand it over, we walk away, thought comes back, we go back, we pick it up. And and we have to just leave it there, rest it on him. Rest ourselves and rest our whole lives on him, the one who is able to take care of every single detail and the outworking of it. So whatever burden you have, you just have to transfer it in prayer and trust him to take care of it. He's completely trustworthy. God is love. And believing in the love of God actually causes fear to go. There's a brilliant scripture. You'll know it well. In 1 John 4 verse 18. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. Bad endings. But the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Believing in the love of God will remove fear. If we rely on it, please hear this, it will remove every loophole for worry. Every loophole for fear and concern. And when something comes up, we cast it over, cast our cares on him, We leave it there because he cares for us. And we walk away saying, Lord, thank you. You're going to take care of that for me. I do what I need to do, but thank you that you're going to take care of it entirely. John 14, Jesus says this. 
Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let, important word there, let, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In the Amplified, it actually says, stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed. Because we can. We all do it. Some of us possibly more than others. But we have this tendency to get agitated and disturbed by outside stuff. And it's almost like a policeman. You have to say stop to those negative thoughts. Stop. I'm not allowing myself to be agitated or disturbed. I'm not allowing myself to lose my peace over this. Smith Wigglesworth, many of you know him, amazing man of God. He had this, um, this saying, and it's a really good saying. I've not just memorized it. It's part of how I recognize the enemy now. <clears throat> he says, if ever I lose my peace, I know somewhere the enemy's behind it. If ever I'm disturbed, at some point... The enemy's behind it. It may be operating through people and circumstances, but somehow, somewhere, the enemy's behind it. And so what happens is your mind goes to facts. And facts are real, and facts work out, and facts can be awful at times, but your mind will always, the enemy will always inspire your mind to go to the negative scenario, the worst case scenario. I had this... Um, Oh, I've been in the wars a bit. I had to have a tooth out about three weeks ago. And um, I had an awful encounter with a chicken bone. <clears throat> I bit down on this chicken bone. Oh, my gosh, and cracked my tooth. If it, thank you for that, Arv, sympathy. Must <laughs> appreciate that. It was painful. Anyway, needless to say, the dentist told me that's got to come out. And I was like, never really? And she said, yes, no way. It can get infected and then you will be in a world of pain. So better to take it out now. Anyway, um, my mind just went, I, I, I'm quite a visual person and that can really be a disadvantage at times. I started, you know, I had two dreams of the dentist with a foot on my face, like with a <laughs> forceps like this. And um, I got myself a bit bothered put it mildly about it and um, waiting in the waiting in the waiting room to go in for this procedure surgery as they called it uh, I like my heart was going I proper like really panicky and I come on get a grip Anyway, there was nobody in the waiting room so I actually said under, under my breath in the name of Jesus I bind you I'm not having this fear and I just literally I was whispering I trust you Jesus I just, and I know probably some of you are thinking well how ridiculous but we each have our thing that bothers us don't we that was a bother for me and I, like, I trust you Jesus. anyway I got this picture of a carrot and it helped me so much I was like that's it Lord pull it out just like a carrot pop out easy and um it all depends on what you've got in your head, doesn't it? But that one cheered me up and it helped me a lot. Anyways, that's the scripture. Well, it kind of works with the scripture about your mind. Isaiah 26, verse 3. I love, love, love this one. You will keep in perfect peace. Just receive this now for yourself. You will keep in perfect peace 
all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Isn't that brilliant? But recognize within those few words and that short sentence, God has a part and we have a part. It's not all over to him. But if we do our part and keep our minds on him and trust in him, he'll do the peace part. He'll keep us in peace. And your mind will want to stray and navigate to the negative, but you just, because we can, we have a spirit of self-control. No, 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 no. My mind's on you, Jesus. You're brilliant. You're wonderful. You do all things well. I've handed it over, and I'm trusting you to work things for good. But we've got to keep our mind, you know, back onto Jesus and um, his greatness, the good things that he can do, and simply just believe what he tells us. You know, when you get a promise, you've got a choice. You can believe it or not. And if we believe what he tells us, and if it has a doing part attached to it, do what he tells us. We trust him with the the consequences, you know. I know you know this, but this is so important. Don't just try and think positive. Don't just try and think wishing and hoping and, oh, it'll all be all right in the end, hopefully. It just, you know, it might work for about 30 seconds, but that's it. You've got to hear him, hear him speak something into it, frame it with his word. And Proverbs 1, 30, well, we're going to start with 32. These are brilliant verses. Starts in the negative, goes to the amazing positive. The waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. I love that. You can almost feel yourself relaxed with that. If I listen to him, I can be at ease without fear of harm. But it's not just the listening. You know, he wants us at ease. He wants us free from fear of harm, free of negative things. It's not that negative things don't happen because in this world there's trouble. But we don't have to fear them because he's a God who takes us through. We're with him, he's with us. But this listening, if you really listen to him, you do more than hear. You receive it. You accept it, like Mary. I mean, my gosh, that was something to accept, wasn't it? Really. I was thinking about that. This is an aside, but this is phenomenal. That the Spirit, Holy Spirit, by himself caused a baby to be conceived with no other intervention. Think of it in terms of your healing. If that can happen, come on. What else can spirit do to a body? What else can Holy Spirit do to your body? Wow. Anyway, so you don't just hear it, you accept it and you believe it. That's the crossover point when you start to believe. This Christian life, it should be the most comfortable life, the most carefree, the happiest life should be. But sadly, so often we're weighed down and stressed out by the same things as everybody else, bothered, agitated, and disturbed. And we sit in church and we hear about joy, but we don't have any. 
Or we sit in church and we hear about peace, but we don't have any. Or you sit in church and you hear about the love of God, but you're still so insecure. <laughs> and it's because you've not crossed over from the hearing to the believing. You know, you're still, you're trying to get your value from outside things, what you do, other people, how they treat you, what you think they think of you. We can't base our security on that because it'll be yo-yo, good and bad, good and bad, good and bad, constantly. And Paul actually says, the Apostle Paul, I love it, he says, if you're still trying to please people, or if I was still trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Hmm. It's liberating to believe what God says about you. You're the most wonderfully made person. You know, everybody's got a tag in their clothing this morning. What you're wearing was made by somebody. Well, if we could have a tag on our bodies, we're made by God. We're wonderfully made. You're unique and brilliant. You're amazing. There's not another one of you. He loves you perfectly. He's for you. He's with you. He's got good plans for you, but you've got to believe it. You have to believe it. And I just want to encourage you not to live another day letting the enemy steal your inheritance. We walk about so poor sometimes. And yet we're the richest people on earth. But we've got to do this crossover to the believing. Because when you start to believe... The ease comes. You start to rest. I want to flag the doing part, though. Just It's kind of a little bit of a, an addition, but it's an important addition. It's not what the message is about generally, but you can't miss the doing. Most promises, not always, but often a promise has a doing part attached to it. Like, if you will, I will. Like the Isaiah 26. If you keep your mind on me and you trust in me, I'll do my part. I'll keep you in perfect peace. Don't miss your part. It's really important to identify our part in, in walking with God. For example, Jesus says, when you pray, if you have anything against anyone, yes. Yes. forgive. Yes. It doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter what trouble they caused, how painful it was, what the consequences were. If you have anything against anyone, even if it's from 20 years ago, especially if it's from 20 years ago, just forgive the whole lot. You know, you know those metal detectors, beep, 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 beep. I like to do that, like on my heart, beep, 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 beep. Is there anything in there? Have I got anything against anyone? You know, if your prayers aren't working, maybe, just maybe, it's because you need to forgive someone. <laughs> maybe you're mad with somebody this morning. And that will be a block. You can't... It's like God becomes very distant and very unreal. That's what happens. But anyway, God can't fix things if we don't forgive. That's the doing part. But if we forgive, oh my goodness, free access to the Heavenly Father, free access to every good thing he has. And really the key to unlocking this Christian life, which we are going to do by the grace of God in wonderful ways next year. 
but it's identifying his part and our part. Some people are more all about their part. Other people are more about God's part. But it's faith and grace. We're saved by faith. No, we're saved by grace through faith. It's the grace of God that saves us, but we've got to do the believing. He even gives us the faith to believe. I know I'm kind of, I hope that's not getting too complicated for you, because that's big what I've just said right there. He gives us the faith to believe, and if we will believe, there comes the grace. His part, our part. And once you've prayed, and once you've handed things over, here's what I've learned. I've got three bullet points. If we could have those three bullet points. First of all, I've learned, once I've prayed this is, I've got to calm myself down. In other words, I've got to get a grip. If you could bring the three bullet points up. Thank you. Um, Get a grip. Calm yourself. Secondly, reject fear. And thirdly, make a choice to believe. Like me in the dentist's waiting room, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. You're going to work this out good for me. Whatever your thing is that you're anxious about at the moment, I trust you, Jesus. I'm calming myself right down because I'm with you and you're with me. I reject fear in the name of Jesus. And I trust you to work things out for me. And you know, when you do, see, I know if I can do that, which I can, and so can you, things are going to work. If you do this, you'll start to tap in to the Jesus life, the grace of God. The rest, really, he's more than enough. Those names, those amazing names we heard about in Isaiah 9, it starts with wonderful. We know the most wonderful being in the whole universe who happens to be God. And so we need to root out every wrong idea. Have this really strong in me this morning. We need to be vigilant to root out every wrong idea that might have crept in about him. That he's an angry judge, that he's a harsh taskmaster, that he's distant and unconcerned. He's this self-absorbed being that just wants to be honored and glorified. He does want us to be honored and glorified. Yes, because he's worthy, always worthy, always worthy. Also though, because it does something so good in us. When we recognize him and who he is and start to call him by his names, wonderful, counselor, good shepherd, mighty God, the one for whom nothing is too difficult, something happens on the inside of us that causes faith to rise. And so he's always worthy of praise, but it does something in us. That's the boomerang blessing of God right back to you. It actually says in Romans, the negative side of it, though they knew him as God, they did not glorify him as God. They became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's the danger. You stop glorifying him as God, your thoughts get futile, confused, all wrong, and your heart dark. However, praise God, we're not those who don't glorify him. We glorify him. We have glorified him this morning. We intend to glorify him all week. And that is going to boomerang blessing back to us. 
because he's always got our best interests at heart. Everything he asks us to do is for our ultimate benefit because that's the good God he is. He is good. He can't do anything else. Have you ever thought of that? He can't do anything but good because God is good and God does good. Psalm 119, verse 68. I love the Psalms, I'm sure you do. Psalm 23, I always come back to it. Leads us beside still waters, puts us in green pastures, restores our souls. We go through stuff, but we go through it with him. There's a table for us always in the presence of our enemies. Enemies are always present but the table's always there. If we take what's off the table, you can win over your enemies. And verse six, oh, I think, no, there's another verse, but verse six, I want to home in on this. Surely you know it. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If we follow him, goodness and mercy follows us. If he's allowed to be good shepherd, goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our lives. And the Lord gave me something that I love so much the heart of God in this. He's sufficient for a lifetime. Our God is sufficient for a lifetime. He's the God of all ages. All ages. He loves you when you're born learning to walk through primary school, secondary school, college, however it is your life goes. Every age, he loves you. Every phase of life, he loves you. Every phase of life, there's provision for you. He's not the employer who, when they get to a certain age, will retire his employees and put them out to pasture and forget about them. That's not the kind of God he is. And I've got a promise for those of you with gray hair, this morning. That's your crown of splendor, by the way. And it's Isaiah 46, verse 4. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I've made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Just take that this morning. Even if you're young, because you need him all your life. He's more than enough for a lifetime. He will take care of his children all their lives. And his grace is sufficient for every phase of life. No matter what phase in you're currently, there's grace for that phase. I just want to repeat that, if you wouldn't mind bringing that back. Because I want you to really take this in. Accept this for yourself this morning. Even to your old age. And gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I'll sustain you and I will rescue you. If you hear that, accept that, believe that, the ease will come. You won't have any fear of any negative in the future. Amen. Because he's carrying you. He's upholding you. He'll sustain you. Trouble comes. He'll rescue you. It can't go wrong. And even if something happens, he's able to make it right. Oh, love that. We don't even have to fear death. (laughs) I don't know if any of you in this room have ever feared death. It's never, since I've been a believer, been a problem for me. 
um, I think, well, I know for a fact, that's when life really starts. When you cross over from this life to the next, come on. We actually, I had this thought the other day. I don't know why I thought it, but we actually get to see Jesus. Think of that. In this life, we don't have the faculties to see him. We simply don't. None of us have seen him. We're not able. However, one of the reasons our Jesus became a man was to show us, was to put God on display, to put God in a physical body so that every person in every generation would know what that God in heaven looks like. Look at Jesus, who he was, what he did, what he said, how he treated people. He lifted the lowly. He put down the proud. Oh, but he spoke gracious words. He spoke words of authority, but always gracious. That's the God we serve. What a lovely life. What an altogether lovely human being he was. And so when we die physically, we get to meet that one. Until then, we know him through his word and by the spirit. But the man on earth revealed what the God in heaven's like. So never think the God in heaven is anything but the loveliness of the Jesus you can find out about if you will sit and read the word. When the lies come, because the enemy will always try and do a negative press on the Lord, he will always try and convince you he's something less than wonderful. And that his plans for you are going to be something less than, than the best. He always has the best. Look at Jesus. Just go back. Read the Gospels. Look at Jesus. Look the enemy will say to you, he wants to take the fun out of life. It's all about what you can't do. Let me tell you, he puts the fun in. The first miracle he did was at a party. Come on, this is the God we serve. And so this Christmas, I'm going to wind up with this. This Christmas, I really want to encourage you, carve out a bit of time just to sit with him and listen to his voice. Take Psalm 23, Psalm 16. Something the words the Lord spoken to you personally, or, or just go through the Gospels and look at the man who reveals the God in heaven, who he was, what he did, what he said. Studying the word won't make him love you more because he can't. No room left. He couldn't love you more, but it will make you love him more. That's how it works. It will make us love him more. And I hope this Christmas you open a really nice present or two. But if you don't, you're still blessed. Genuinely. And I know this sounds a bit, I don't know, cheesy, but unwrap Jesus. Take a bit of time to sit down with him and rediscover him. He never disappoints. If you'll really just sit with him and maybe just take a verse or two and really think about that. Let it paint a picture on the inside for you. He never disappoints. He never runs out. Isaiah 40 says this. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? He doesn't get tired. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, 
he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. Natural strength runs out, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. This time of year, people get tired. You know, people get weary. They need a rest. I know there's actually been a lot of sickness around But I want to encourage you just to commit to spend a bit of time each day. Just sit sit down with a coffee and a mince pie or whatever your Christmas treat is and just read a little bit. Let him speak to you personally. You know, if we weren't around the room and we won't do it, but I know this. If you're born again and the spirit of Christ lives in you, if I was to ask you what's he saying, most of us know really. He knows, we know what he's saying to us. Maybe he's saying forgive, or maybe he's saying draw near, or maybe he's saying don't fear, don't be disturbed, agitated, come to me. You know, and any burden, please don't don't walk around like that. Don't do another day like that. Just hand it back. Well, not that he sent it, but just hand it over to him. Joy and peace come. You know, I know you know this, but let's be quicker at recognizing when our joy and peace go. It's like the warning light on the car. It's an indicator, isn't it? He will never leave us, but we can leave him in the sense that our soul disconnects. We leave him. The wonderful one, really the wonderful one. And we're going to finish where we started with those amazing names of Jesus. He's the best gift. Why would we ignore the best gift that we've ever received? Isaiah 9, verse 6. You know this by heart, I'm sure, anyway. But unto us a child is born. This is what we're about to celebrate, have been celebrating, and will. Unto us a son, son of God, was given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is all those things and more. But he wants you to know him like this more than you ever have before. Not as words in your head, but the experience of your life. Let's stand. And if I could have the team forward. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.